I want the deacons to be ready to move quickly, and we'll turn to chapter 13 of the Gospel according to Matthew. And let me read uh, just a parable that has to do with really Christian education. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares also among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprang up and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. And the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you're gathering up the tares, you may root up the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them up together. Uh, But the wheat put in my barn. And then he left the multitude and went into the house And the disciples came to him, and they said, Would you please explain the parable of the tares of the field? And he answered and said, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. The tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire in that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous ones shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. May God bless to our understanding this important part of his word. Let us pray. O God, our heavenly Father, we rejoice in the marvelous thought that it is well with our souls that we can have that peace because of what Jesus has wrought for us on the cross. And we thank thee that even though we are called upon to live in a hostile environment often in this life, that we are not left unaided, that thou hast given to us the gracious ministry of the Holy Spirit, whose coming we celebrate at Pentecost. And we thank thee that he has come to baptize us with fire that that dross in us may be purged away, and that that which is good may be sustained and caused to grow. Grant that in each one of us we may bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and grant that as we look into your word in these brief moments that we have, the Holy Spirit himself will be our teacher to inspire in us truth that we may live by and thus bring honor to the Son of God We dedicate these gifts to his glory, and in his name we make our prayer. Amen. 
I want you to know that I have to make the address to the Owen High School seniors this afternoon, and I was going over some old commencement addresses today, and the last time I was doing this, uh, most of the time it was in the 60s, in the era of the hippies. And I found amongst my notes uh, a comment about long hair, which was considered funny then. It said to a boy with long hair, why don't you get your hair cut because you have such pretty knees? <laughs> Well, when we come to think about uh, our, our responsibility and uh, the responsibilities that were spoken about so brilliantly by Lloyd, I thought this morning that was a great address on Christian education. All of us have a responsibility. We want freedom, but we do not want responsibility. I remember seeing Bishop Fulton Sheen when he was almost 80 years old. Uh, and I love that man. Uh, he is gone to be with the Lord now. And uh, uh, he was on television. And I got a tape of the address which he had made at the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington. Present at that prayer breakfast, uh, Jimmy Carter was present then, was Dr. Billy Graham of Montreat. And Billy told me later that he was the backup man to Fulton Sheen. That Fulton Sheen was to be the main speaker, but he had a very bad heart and so they had two heart doctors on either side of him, and they didn't know whether he would be feeble at the last minute and unable to speak, and Billy had his speech all prepared and ready to step in for Fulton Sheen and be a pinch hitter if he had to. Uh, but Fulton Sheen did speak, and uh, when the old man got up to the podium, uh, he was feeble, but oh, the fire came in his voice, the fire like the Holy Spirit brings. That's what that red cloth means. It's the fire at Pentecost that comes. And the old man said, Mr. President and fellow sinners. <laughs> and there was a pause and then there was a roar of, a, of applause. And then he went on and said, Mr. President, I noticed that you were teaching the book of Romans in the Baptist church in Plains, Georgia. And so I know that you know they're sinners. And so we're all sinners. And we need to be saved. And we can be saved only through Jesus Christ. And boy, what a testimony to the gospel that old man brought. And you know what he said toward the end of his address? He said, we are a nation that has great abundance and great freedom. But he said, on our, on our east coast, we have a statue of liberty. He said, I propose that on our west coast, we build a statue of responsibility. Because we have freedom, which we do not exercise with responsibility. And as a result of it, we find ourselves in great jeopardy today. And what a great speech that was. Uh, I had cut out of an old copy of uh, Newsweek years ago. Why does a nation a whole people, and in the case of the Roman Empire, an entire civilization fall into a steady decline that eventually means the total disappearance from the pages of history. You can find the answer in history itself, for in every case there seems to be a pattern, a pattern for the rise to success and the fall to failure. As I see it, the historical cycle is always run like this, from bondage, to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to courage, from courage to freedom, 
from freedom to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to fear, and from fear to, to dependency, and from dependency back to bondage once more. Now that happens to governments, it happens to civilizations, and it happens to individuals, and to a great extent it's happening in America. That's why Jesus wanted us to know in those remarkable stories which he told uh, the truth about the responsibility of the kingdom of God which is thrust upon each one of us who claims to be a believer. Have you ever stopped to think how often we refer to someone who does a good deed as a good Samaritan, even though the Bible does not call him good? Have you ever stopped to think about how often we use phrases like passing by on the other side, bearing the heat of the day, wasting our substance in riotous living, hiding our talents, putting lamps under a bushel, leaving things to the 11th hour, counting the cost. Every single one of those words came out of a parable that Jesus spoke. And his parables are among the most familiar and most unforgettable of all of the things that he uttered. Right after he had spoken the parable of the sower, the sower of the good seed of the word of God, he told how that those who came to listen to him would not always take seriously what he had to say. And that's what we're faced with so often in the church in America today. It's not that the people do not believe the Bible. Someone was telling me not long ago about a man who was an atheist. And I was reminded of a statement that Samuel Johnson, the great English lexicographer, the builder of dictionaries, uh, said. He said, that man is an atheist like a horse is an atheist. He never thought about it. <laughs> uh, and there are a lot of people that way. Here in America, we have a sort of sentimental atheism. In Russia and in China, they have a militant atheism. They want to destroy any belief in soul, any belief in your relationship to God or of heaven, they want you bound and chained to this earth because that makes you dependent upon the God who is the state. And that's why it's no good. Well, Jesus here teaches a miracle. He teaches us about the miracle of the seed, which is the word of God. He teaches us that that seed falls on four kinds of hearer. Uh, one kind is hard and cynical, which holds the word aloof. There is contact, but there is no communion. The seed is there, the soil is there, but nothing takes place. The second type, he tells us, is shallow and superficial. Little pots are soon hot. That's what cooks tell us. And there are people who bubble with enthusiasm at some striking phrase that they hear from the gospel. But that's as far as it goes. It springs up quickly into life, and then when the heat bears down upon it, it withers away. The other is that which is falling in among the thorns, which he will enunciate more clearly later on. He says it's choked by the riches and cares of this life. That seems to indicate that there are people who are choked because they are poor and do not have enough or worry too much about it and people who are rich and have too much and are choked from that standpoint. And then the fourth type of soil or fourth hearer 
he says, is that which is good soil, which is well prepared. And that soil uh, brings forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And then he shouts out again, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And then later he explained that parable. And in the 13th of Matthew, really he gives seven short parables that have to do with the kingdom of God. So when he talks about uh, this, uh, the, this parable of the kingdom of heaven, that is the extension of God's reign over our minds and hearts which he came to bring, he compared it to a man who sowed good seed in his field. We seek to sow the good seed of the word of God among our students and among our Bible school scholars and the people who attend our prayer service and the people who have opportunities of Bible studies in their home. And for God's sake, literally, take advantage of it while you have the opportunity in this country. The day may come when we don't have that opportunity. But while men slept, we can become complacent and sleep and not pay attention to what's happening in the world. The enemy comes. Jesus recognizes that there is an evil one who is at work in this world. Jesus knew that there was the per personification of evil and that the devil is very much alive and well and on the planet Earth and at work. He came and sowed tares. Tares are weeds. And all of us who try to be gardeners know that weeds are the bane of our existence. You may have a permissive morality, but you'll never have a permissive garden. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Steve Barden gave me a wonderful book this year. Steve is the greatest gardener anywhere. Steve is a landscape designer, an architect, one of the elders in our church. And he gave me a book on weeds. And he apologized later and said he hoped it didn't offend me. And I said, no. I preach about sin every Sunday. Uh, that's, that's weeds. Uh, it, that, it's very necessary to know about weeds uh, because I never have had to plant any weeds. Uh, they're there. Uh, they're like cavities in your teeth. They're going to be there. Uh, uh, you, you don't see that little girl coming in and look, Mom, no cavities without brushing with crap. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, you've got to do something to fight the weeds and you have to fight the cavities too. Well, here are tares, here are weeds that come in among the wheat. And the enemy came secretly and did this thing. He did it watching the soap operas. He did it with some of the stupid books that are read. There's some books that, are, that should not be read because they never had, should have been written. They were conceived in sin and their sole proposition is to recreate the sin in your mind and heart and when you exercise what you call your Christian liberty, you may be hardening yourself to the bitterness of sin. But when the wheat sprang up and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. Now look, Jesus throws in a little element of surprise here. The servants, the people who had to till this field, the servants came to the landowner and they said, Sir, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have these weeds, these tares? Didn't you look at the seed that we were sowing? Why are these weeds here? And then he said to them, An enemy hath done this. An enemy hath done this. 
And the slave said to him, Do you want us then to go and to gather them up? But he said, No. No, lest while you are gathering up the tares, you may root up the wheat with them. They were so intertwined together, this particularly evil weed, that you could not pull up one without pulling up the other. He said, allow both of them to grow together until the harvest. And the harvest is always coming. The harvest is always coming. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. Then gather up the wheat and put it into my granary, put it into my barn. Jesus explained that parable to them because they needed to know it. Now then, I want to say this to you, because this is our memorial weekend time, and Lloyd Davis mentioned in prayer the sacrifice which many have made in order that we may enjoy the freedoms which we have. Uh, freedom is not cheap. It's, it's extremely costly. And I have a poem that I took out of a book long years ago it says, what did you see, soldier? What did you see at war? I saw such glory and horror as I've never seen before. I saw men's hearts burnt naked in red crucibles of pain. I saw such godlike courage as I'll never see again. What did you hear, soldier? What did you hear at war? I heard the prayers on lips of men who never prayed before. I heard men tell their very souls, confessing each dark stain. I heard them speak the sacred things they will not speak again. What did you eat, soldier? What did you eat at war? I ate the sour bread of fear, the acrid salt of gore. My lips were burnt with wine of hate, the scalding drink of Cain. My tongue is known a bitter taste I would not taste again. What did you think, soldier? What did you think at war? I thought how strange. We have not learned from wars that raged before, except new ways of killing, new multiples of pain, is all the blood that men have shed, but blood shed all in vain. What did you learn, soldier? What did you learn at war? I learned that we must learn sometime what was not learned before, that victories won on battlefields are victories won in vain, unless in peace we kill the germs that breed new wars again. The germs that breed new wars again are the germs that are in the hearts and minds of each one of us. They are the germs that cause us to do ugly things to those in our own household. They are the seeds of discord. They are the seeds of hate. They are lies. They are dishonesty. They are not taking seriously our responsibilities to God. They are playing at church. They are playing at being faithful to Jesus. And as a result of it, we pay a bitter price. And so, what Jesus is telling us in this parable of the tares is that we are put into a world 
a world that is really hostile to the Christian faith, where we have less than an ideal environment in which to grow. And so we have got to teach our children about faith in Christ, and we can cope with that hostile environment. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, about four years ago, made a tremendous speech at commencement at Harvard University in that great Brahmin university, in which he spoke of the seeds of evil which are in our society here in the West. The first lady of our land took it upon herself to denounce him that coming week, and whatever speechwriter wrote that sure wrote a dumb speech. Nicholas von Hoffman, whom I do not like at all, who writes for the Washington Post, came out and said Solzhenitsyn won't be invited to make many more speeches. Because he's talked, he's talked about the sins of America too. And those who have read his books and have seen his series of essays called From Under the Rubble, know that in the hostile, bitter atmosphere that exists in Soviet Russian prison camps, there are people who will make printing presses out of bicycle parts and motorcycle parts and print their Bibles and make little copies so small that they can pull a stone out of the wall and put it there and put it back and read it in prison. That's why they're there. Jesus is saying that you will be in a world where it's going to be tough and hard to be a Christian. The enemy will see to that. He will fight against the sons of God who are sons of God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And you must bear up to your responsibility. All of us want the privileges of being a Christian. But do we want to have the responsibility that goes with it? The responsibility is great. It means living for him. One of my favorite plays of Shakespeare's is, is um, a King Henry IV. And in that play, he catches something of the tension that exists between one generation that's passing away in another generation that's coming on. You remember when the old king was dying, the young son, Prince Hal, meditated within his heart what it would be like to wear the crown of the king. And he listened. He listened to the king's labored, slow breathing. And as he saw that breathing, he knew that in just a little while the king would die and that he would wear the king's crown. And he looked over and saw on the velvet cushion the crown of the king. And he sneaked over and yielded to the temptation. And he lifted up the king's crown. And he thought how wonderful it would be that when the old man died, he would be king. And then as he placed the crown down upon his head, it suddenly dawned on him what responsibilities there came with being the reigning monarch. And the crown felt like it was burning hot and he took it off his head. What Fulton Sheen said 
a statue of freedom in the East and a statue of responsibility in the West. And what Jesus says here, that we have to contend with weeds. We have to grow in a hostile environment. We have to be prepared to obey, even at a costly sacrifice. Let us bow in prayer. O oh God, our Father, we thank Thee for the remarkable teachings of our Lord Jesus. We bless Thee that He teaches how mercifully You deal with us, even our second thoughts, and letting us think over and repent and come back to Thee. And so we pray that You will help us to know that even though we have to fight against the things that are going to be hard, that we never fight alone that he has promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us so that we might boldly say, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And will you grant that any person here who has not known the joy of having Jesus as master and Lord of their life, help that one to know that he will take them just as they are and receive them unto himself and make them a child of his own. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father, and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our teacher and our guide, be and abide with us all, now and forevermore.